Hello there. My name is Mike, and I love Star Wars. On today's episode, special guest Joel Van Ham and I will be taking a deep dive into the greatest sequel of all time, the practically perfect Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back. This is I Still Love Star Wars. You must unlearn what you have learned. That's how we're going to win. Not fighting what we hate. Saving what we love. You're my only hope. This is where the fun begins. Your focus determines your reality. Don't give in to hate. <laughs> I feel the good news. Oh, it's beautiful. I good news for you. I love you. We would be honored <laughs> if you would join us. Very kind. I got a really good feeling about this. Hi and hello, Star Wars fans, and welcome to I Still Love Star Wars, your weekly dose of Star Wars positivity. Before we dive into what you can expect to hear in this episode, let's set the table with some facts and figures about this week's film. Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back, was released on May 21, 1980. It was written by George Lucas, Lee Brackett, and Lawrence Kasdan, and directed by Irvin Kirshner for a budget of $33 million. Its worldwide box office currently stands at over $549 million, according to Box Office Mojo. Perhaps its greatest accomplishment is that it established the standard for the cinematic sequel and endures as arguably the greatest sequel of all time. The Empire Strikes Back not only continued the story of the iconic characters we already knew and loved, it introduced several new and equally iconic characters into the Star Wars lexicon. It certainly adds to the pressure of this episode of I Still Love Star Wars to continue Empire's tradition of sequel excellence. And speaking of I Still Love Star Wars, let's take a look at what's coming up on today's episode. Joining me for the interview segment is longtime friend, even longer time Star Wars fan, and certified Boba Fett fanboy, Joel Van Ham. Joel and I joined forces to discuss The Empire Strikes Back and try to avoid nothing but an hour of inside jokes. In addition to my conversation with Joel, we'll have our weekly visit from the Star Wars guy, a little bit of listener feedback, and a few more musical interludes to tie it all together. Speaking of music, let's get things started with a song entitled Never Tell Me the Odds. It's 45 seconds of some of the most memorable lines from Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back. But first, you're listening to I Still Love Star Wars. I'm looking for a great podcaster. <laughs> Podcast. Not make one great. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh it up, fuzzball. You will go to the Lego bar system. Apology accepted. He's worth a lot to me. The possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. The son of Skywalker must not become a Jedi. Try not. Do or do not. There is no try. Hello, what have we here? I don't trust. Lando. It's quite possible this asteroid is not entirely stable. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. If once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. I'm not afraid. <sighs> you will be. Well, now it's time to hear from you, the I Still Love Star Wars listener community, in a little segment I like to call Listener Feedback. Listen up. Listen up. Listen up. 
Well, the reviews are starting to come in, and the early reaction to the show is encouraging. Corey underscore S writes, Great clear voice. You never get tired of listening to people talk about something they love. And Yiwan Daman writes, Great production. Still love me some Mike H. and Star Wars. I don't know who Yiwan Daman is, but it sounds like he or she knows me, so I appreciate that review and the five stars. Again, special thanks to these two for writing reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you'd be so kind to do the same, I might just read yours on a future episode. I also received some fantastic listener feedback via email. As a reminder, that email address is thestarwarsguy1977 at gmail.com. Casey McMillan, whose Star Wars fandom is evident based on the nickname he was given by his local F3 workout group, which is Jar Jar, Casey shared this. Thank you for this focus on what we love and what is great about Star Wars. On social media, the negativity is rampant. I like podcasts that uplift or educate, so this will fit right in. Regarding Star Wars, Corey shared, I love Star Wars because it connected me to my wife. When I picked her up for our first date, I saw that she had a stuffed Yoda on her mantle. Ding, ding, ding. I knew I needed to work hard and keep that one. And I did. (laughs) Good for you, Casey. Good for you. And finally, future guest Corey Edwards comes through once again with his thoughts on The Empire Strikes Back. Corey shares, I have yet to see a sequel double down as hard as this one. It went colder, darker, and more operatic than the swashbuckling original. Hands were chopped off, a puppet as a lead character, and the father of all twists. Talk about taking chances. No sequel beats this one. As always, I love Corey's take and couldn't have said it better myself. Although I tried in the upcoming interview segment, which you'll hear in just a minute. Well, once again, if you'd like to submit your own listener feedback for possible inclusion in a future segment, you can shoot me an email at thestarwarsguy1977 at gmail.com. Just tell me something you love about a certain Star Wars movie, and you just might hear your feedback in a future episode. And now it's time for our weekly visit from the Star Wars Guy. This time around, he reveals that he has a little bit of a man crush. Hey everybody, it's the Star Wars Guy, here to talk to you about one of the best movies ever made, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. On today's episode, I'm going to highlight one of my favorite characters in Star Wars history. The super cool, super smooth, super sneaky Lando Calrissian. First of all, Lando is super cool. He's got awesome style, like with capes and boots and like the coolest mustache in the galaxy. And then he's also super smooth. He goes up to Princess Leia and he's like, Hello, what do we have here? And he's like, You truly belong with us among the clouds. And he's like really smooth with her, so I bet he has lots and lots of girlfriends. He's also super sneaky. Like, he makes this deal with Dark Vader and the Empire, and he's like really, really mean and turns Han Solo and Chewbacca and Princess Leia in, and he's like, They want someone named Skywalker or something like that. He was really sneaky when all that was going on. But then, he like kind of learns his lesson, and he's like super loyal, and he goes back and he's like friends again with them, and he's like, sorry I didn't have a choice and I want to be friends again, so don't be mad at me. So he helps him escape Cloud City, and he like flies away, and I really think that in the end, he's like a really nice guy, and he was just kind of misunderstood, I don't know. So there you have some of my thoughts on one of my favorite characters in Star Wars history, Lando Calrissian. 
I hope the next time you watch this movie, you will pay special attention to how super cool and super smooth and super sneaky he is. Well, now it's time for my favorite part of my segment, ratings. On a scale of Lobot to Yoda, I give Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back a Boba Fett. That's all I got to say this time. Until next time, this is the Star Wars guy saying, may the Force be with you. Thank you for listening to I Still Love Star Wars. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. These are two great ways to help other people find the show and join the fun. If you'd like the opportunity to have your love of Star Wars included in a future episode, send what you love about this podcast, a specific Star Wars film, or just that galaxy far, far away in general to thestarwarsguy1977 at gmail.com. Remember, though, keep it positive and help this show spread the love as we celebrate Star Wars. Well, it's time now to talk about Empire Strikes Back. Here with us to do that is my great friend and someone I think you're really going to enjoy hearing from, Joel Van Ham. Welcome, Joel. Hey, thanks, Mike. Thanks for the invite. I'm really excited about it today. All right. So before we get started talking about the movie, I want to hear a little bit about you and your history with Star Wars in a little segment I like to call Van Ham, A Star Wars Story. Well, that's a great intro. Uh... I would say this, I cannot remember a time in my life without Star Wars being present. Uh, my dad was into the Star Wars when I came along. Uh, 1976 is when I was born, 77, the first film. So I guess the earliest memories that I have is Star Wars action figures, the release of the prequels. I was actually working at a movie theater. Um, everybody was required to work, but I somehow got it off to watch The Phantom Menace. So never been a time that I wasn't a Star Wars lover. I don't feel any kind of negativity towards any of the people who have come along and jumped onto the bandwagon because I think the more people who love Star Wars, the better. All in all, I, I just honestly, my wife, my kids, they love Star Wars. What, Didn't you name one of your dogs after a Star Wars character? True story. I lobbied really hard to have our firstborn child named Boba, uh, but then uh, we could just call her whatever we were going to call her. So uh, with Jar Jar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing that you knew that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's our birth certificate. Uh, Jar Jar Elizabeth, uh, then lobbied She's really hard, <laughs> lobbied really hard again for a, a star Wars name. We went with Jacob for the second kid, but, uh, we, we really just call him Jacoby Obi for short. So that's, that's <laughs> how, short. that's how or we do long. <laughs> Yeah. So my, I guess there's, like I said, there's never been a time where Star Wars wasn't an active part of my life. Um, that's it. Star Wars for me. All right. Yeah. I guess there's no no time like the present. Let's go ahead and talk about Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. As you know, Joel, we're going to go back and forth. We're going to share things we love about this movie. And as always, we start with the guest. Go ahead. Tell us what's the first thing you want to share with us that you love about this movie. It's easy when uh, you're growing up and it is your first introduction to Boba Fett. Uh, Re-release of the movies, of course, we see Boba Fett in uh, episode four. Uh, but with the original movies, you, you just learn about Boba Fett. You know, people say you jump on the bandwagon when it comes to Boba Fett. Uh, no, Boba Fett's been a part of my life long before Boba Fett was uh, part of everybody's life. And, and he is an odd character as it is um, the idea of someone being able to decide their own fate 
uh, decide their own destiny in a pretty black and white world. He kind of had that opportunity to be the the middleman or whatever he wanted to do. So that's definitely something that was exciting about Empire Strikes Back, uh, the introduction of him. That's a great it's a great place to start. And it was actually one of the things that I was definitely going to talk about, not just Boba Fett. I know you're a Boba Fett guy. I think at this point in my life, when I see something related to Boba Fett, I think of my buddy Joel just because I know what a Boba Fett fan he is. But for me, it was beyond Boba Fett. Um, He certainly was cool looking, a cool looking character. But for me, all of those bounty hunters from the moment where we see them kind of from below, we're looking up at them and they're all kind of lined up talking to Vader. And I guess by this point, he's Admiral Piet says that uh, (laughs) bounty hunters, we don't need that scum. Yes, sir. All of those bounty hunters lined up. Of course, you, you had Dengar. IG-88, Zuckus, Forlom, uh, Bosk, and then, of course, Boba Fett. You you kind of covered Boba Fett. Now, the point where Vader said the line to Boba. No disintegration, as you wish. I tell you what, when I was a kid, my imagination went crazy. What in the world does he mean? Boba Fett just goes around disintegrating people. That would be so cool. Here's Here's what I'll say. Of course, Boba Fett. He was introduced as a part of the Star Wars holiday special. He had this cool mail-in action <laughs> figure. Um, Boba Fett, out of all of these bounty hunter characters, Boba Fett is the one that has been expanded upon the most. But for me as a kid, he was he was kind of like the super cool kid. And I was kind of like the nerdy kid that kind of kept to myself. So I kind of liked the underdog character. Um, and so we would get all of the action figures and, you know, somehow my, my older brother seemed to get all the cool action figures. I can remember him having IG 88. I can remember Boba Fett. I think my younger brother actually might've had Boba Fett. Um, but the only one I could get was Dengar. (laughs) Now I will say this of all of the characters up on that, uh, platform talking to Darth Vader, I think Dengar was the dorkiest one for me when I was a kid watching it but somehow I developed this love for Dengar because simply because I I had the Dengar action figure I don't know I think my favorite was actually Bosk I think Bosk looked cool because I was really into dinosaurs and he had had like this dinosaur looking face but again Dengar has a place in my heart because he was the action figure that I could get so I think the coolest things for me are hearing Darth Vader say no disintegrations and then seeing good old Dengar there in the corner looking like there is no way he's actually going to capture Han Solo. He's got no chance with all these cool looking bounty hunters around. Uh, yeah, I remember, um, of course, just like you, I collected the, the figures. I don't know if collected, I bought to play with the figures. Correct. Um, collecting wasn't really a thing that I was a part of. And I remember uh, KB toys had a sale and like, the you're saying Dengar I I've always said Dengar probably because I say it wrong but uh, definitely that may, be a running, <laughs> that may be a running theme through this episode me correcting Joel's pronunciation that is more characters. more a running theme through our uh, friendship I think uh, <laughs> is more of a true statement but I remember having like four of Dengar's and uh, because they were on sale and I just you know like right. eight remember the 88 cents I don't know if you remember, you remember KB Toys right at the mall? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, when they had sales, like that's that's when I would go crazy. But absolutely. man, K, KB Toys was the, was the jam when they had sales on, uh, they're getting rid of the Empire Strikes Back stuff because the uh, the Return of the Jedi stuff is coming, you know, 
big deal on that. Anyway. All right. Well, we're moving on to our second thing. Joel, you're up. Go ahead and tell us what else do you want to share that you love about The Empire Strikes Back? Uh, I really like to see how Leia uh, asserts authority. You know, rewatching it now, you see how she's just such a strong character. They did a a really good job, uh, again, in the prequels of having her mother be a very strong female character. And in my mind, I, I remember Princess Leia always, of course, being there and being something that's important, but she's such a strong female character, even when you put her up against a real strong male character like Han and just the, uh, the interactions between them. It's just like more like real life. Uh, as a kid, it was just something cool to watch in the sci-fi genre. Um, when you, when you get to see all the spaceships and I'll get her to this and other thing, but just the interaction between Han and Leia, especially in, on Hoth, there's the, you know, so many scenes where they're, does, do they like each other? Do they not? Uh, is she really want him to leave because he's a good pilot or, she, you know, all that kind of stuff. You didn't see us alone in the South Passage. She expressed her true feelings for me. What? Why, you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder. Who's scruffy-looking? I really enjoy that aspect of... Um, Carrie Fisher's character of just the idea of her being such a strong female character and how long ago that that was and how important it was to show that how commanding she has such high expectations but then there's a scene on Hoth where everybody is already evacuated and Han's like we gotta go we gotta go give the evacuation code signal and get your transport. She's so concerned about her people. Again, when you take that into, in, into the context of just what you think about when you think about a hero is the person who waits to be the last person, the person who waits to make sure that everybody else is out, the person that, who's holding on to that thing. And to think that she's in, you know, basically in charge of what's going on or, or you know, high ranking, having such a strong female presence is exciting. Uh, my daughter loves Amidala, of course, and uh, just loves Princess Leia. And that's, you know, again, something that, uh, I don't know, I think positive male or female role model to my daughter. Absolutely. Be, yeah. yeah, I'm so glad you phrased it that way. As a little boy, I mean, I had unlimited number of characters in Star Wars to choose from that I could look up to and be inspired by and could see myself in. Was I a Luke Skywalker type or was I an Obi-Wan Kenobi type or was I a Han Solo type? Maybe I saw myself more the line along the lines of Lando Calrissian or maybe I could see this person or that person. Of course, I, I associated myself with Lobot a lot just because of <laughs> my affinity for headphones and headgear and stuff like that. So um, good Lobot plug. There you go. So, but poor little girls, they had princess Leia. And other than that, maybe get to Jedi and you think this Mon Mothma lady seems like she might be powerful, but to me, she was the single most boring character in star Wars history. So I actually had, had wanted to talk about Han and Leia and their relationship and how it develops in this movie. And here's the thing I like about that, and I think it fits in well with what you said, Joel, about Leia being strong. She is in no way in any of these movies the damsel in distress. She is never helpless. She is always a part of her own rescue. In this movie, she is a leader. She's in charge. And she gives everything to Han Solo just as much as he gives it to her. She gives it right back. And sometimes 
she heads him off of the pass and she she goes ahead and she gives it to him uh, before he can give it to her. So it starts as they're being briefed at the beginning and we find out Han Solo's got a bounty on his head from Jabba the Hutt and he can't live with that and he's got to go. And then, of course, he and Leia happen to have this exchange in the hallway. Come on. You're imagining things. Am I? Then why are you following me? Afraid I was going to leave without giving you a goodbye kiss? She says her famous line. I just assumed he's a Wookiee. Of course, Han says in reply to that, I can arrange that. You can use a good kiss. So that kind of starts off where they are. They are right back to bickering like they were in the original Star Wars, A New Hope. Their relationship seems to kind of almost be still at this type flirtatious, or they may have feelings for one another, but neither of them will ever admit it. And then, of course, they're on the Falcon, and they have that moment where Han's trying to help her repair the ship. Let go, please. Don't get excited. Captain, being held by you isn't quite enough to get me excited. Sorry, sweetheart. I haven't got time for anything else. And she calls him a scoundrel. (laughs) And that classic moment where she says, I like nice men. Nice men. The music swells. And here comes C-3PO. Sir, sir, I've isolated the reverse power flux coupling. Thank you classic classic star wars moment their relationship as they go through the trials of this movie their relationship grows and there there are true feelings they can't really come to grips with these feelings they're not really saying it and then at one of the most iconic moments in all of star wars history we have han about to go into the carbon freeze and leia because in her mind he's gone he's gonna die and so before he does she has to confess to him her true feelings. I love you. I know. One of the greatest moments in movie history. And I think it was a masterful job of direction by Irving Kirshner. And I think it was a great job of writing by George Lucas, Lawrence Kasdan, and just a great relationship that, of course, continues in future movies. But here, I think it springboards perfectly, Joel, off of what you said about Leia and the strong character that she is. She is just as much a part of making this relationship entertaining and interesting as Han Solo is. And I love that part of this film. Well, we are two down and we've got three more to go. Joel, you're up next. What else do you have for us that you want to talk about that you love about The Empire Strikes Back? So you said Lobot earlier, of course. Uh, just the idea of a cloud city is amazing. You think about all the the pieces of, I guess, the spice mine trade is what they were doing. Um, the people that you would have to have. Tabana gas mines. Oh, thanks. Thank yeah, yeah, yeah. Not spice mines. Thanks, buddy. And, and you're thinking of Kessel. That's both earlier and later, depending on your certain point of view. Sure. So what were you saying? That's <laughs> all right, man. Just like you see the that they've done a good job creating an environment that is real. When you go on in, in Tatooine and Mos Eisley, when you see this scene, you can tell that the scene is just a bunch of scum and villainy. You know, it's designed to catch your eye, just like Jabba's palace in Jedi. But when you see Cloud City, I mean, there's there's an organization, there's a structure, mm-hmm. there's a community, but there's also, this is a job. You know, these right. people are working a job, they're doing a specific task, it's a business you get the feeling that mm-hmm. that you could do a movie just about Cloud City. Best been a Star Wars story. Exactly. Or... Best been a Star That would be fantastic. And then just, again, there's this whole process that's going on in this industry that they happen upon, you know, versus something that was set up deliberately for them to go to. You know, there's a feeling I feel like Dagobah was very specific. 
there's one guy there. That's the guy you got to meet. You got to see what's going on with that. But uh, on Cloud City, there's definitely a, a whole world that's happening, right. whether or not Han or Luke or Vader shows up there. There's a whole thing going on. And that's what I like about the whole Star Wars universe, really. I, yeah. I really like the aspect of of what's going on at Cloud City or Investment. Yeah, Cloud City was awesome. So I guess here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go, uh, you mentioned Dagobah. So I'm going to go ahead to my next thing that I absolutely love about this movie. And that is the character of Yoda. Watching this movie for the first time, I'm just watching Luke in the freezing cold, seeing a vision of Obi-Wan Kenobi. More on that later. And Obi-Wan reveals he needs to go to the Dagobah system. You will go to the Dagobah system. Dagobah system? There you will learn from Yoda, the Jedi master who instructed me. Of course, because we don't know at this point what Yoda looks like when we see this little green Muppet. Luke is looking for a great warrior, and I'm thinking, oh, he meets this little Muppet character. I'm like, oh, that's like Grover. And I think I thought that for a few minutes, but very quickly, something magical happened, and this little green puppet wasn't a little green puppet. He was a 900-year-old Jedi master. I mean, the amazing work that they did to take this puppet and make it look like it was an actual character acting across from Mark Hamill was amazing. I remember thinking at first he was a little bit creepy when Luke, they're in his little hut and Luke finds out that it's Yoda and he's like, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. And Yoda looked at him and said, you will be. You will be. The more and more we see these characters interact, Yoda does nothing but teach Luke and share wisdom with him. And, you know, Luke starts in A New Hope as this whiny kid who just doesn't know his place in all of this. And and so now he's starting to find he has a place in all of this, but he's still not very teachable. And Yoda is trying and trying to teach him. And it's during this time where he's teaching Luke that some of the most incredible quotes in Star Wars history are said, and they're said by the character of Yoda. Wars not make one great. <laughs> and also... A Jedi uses the Force for knowledge and defense. Never for attack. And then he shares with us this bit of wisdom. Try not. Do. Or do not. There is no try. Yoda is just dispensing wisdom left and right. Luke is now growing in the Force, and he sees this vision of his friends in trouble, and Yoda is actually, again, he's teaching him, he's letting him know what he's actually seeing. Yoda is using this as a teaching point, but Luke is now completely distracted. He feels like he has to go, and Yoda, in his wisdom, now joined with Obi-Wan, is trying to convince Luke why he has to stay. Only a fully trained Jedi Knight with the Force as his ally will conquer Vader and his Emperor. If you end your training now, if you choose the quick and easy path, as Vader did, you will become an agent of evil. He represents peace. He represents wisdom. Uh, even in the prequels, when the Jedi were confused of all the things going around him and Yoda was confused, he was very slow to make judgments. He was trying to make thoughtful decisions instead. And and uh, it's inspiring to me to see a character like that in these films. So I've always had a little soft spot in my heart for Yoda. And it all started with this film. What are your thoughts on Yoda, Joe? Oh, man. I mean, again, I think back to, I, I try to think back to, in each one of the questions, I try to think back to when I first am introduced versus all the knowledge that we have now. 
So like in my brain, as I think about Yoda, I think even when he starts talking, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what, what's going on. And then of course we hear Obi-Wan and uh, I definitely remember him being important. I definitely remember him being uh, the guy that was training Luke, but I didn't think of him as a Jedi master. But then again, I just tried to really understand what is the Jedi power of Yoda? That's what I guess as a kid, I thought, eh, you know, good job teaching him some stuff. I guess, you know, you, you should stay or you shouldn't stay, but you don't really see that kind of Jedi that we know now in that Jedi master. So being the master of something that didn't really impress me, uh, I guess I have so much more respect for it now, uh, older, knowing more, knowing more of the story that, that came out. But just the idea of that guy, you know, Yoda at that point was something that I could say, oh, this is a cute little cuddly thing. Yes, he's a master, but master doesn't mean he's killed a bunch of people in the past. Master means he wants to train Luke to be this thing that helps defeat the darkness. So that was my take on Yoda as a kid versus now where I'm like, wow, you know, most powerful, you know, 900 years old or 800 years old at the time, whatever, all these things I can look back and say, that's a very, very different Yoda than I remember as a kid. Right. All right. We're up to you, Joel, your fourth thing uh-huh. that you love about the empire strikes back. All right. So Vader terrified all of us, right? It was like a uh, Vader and the nightmare on Elm street, you know, that that's Vader was that scary. He, I remember nightmares about Vader. of course, sure. And I remember thinking before, or excuse me, before Return of the Jedi, I remember thinking the power of Empire showing Vader as human. And this is what I mean. That scene where one of the top ranking guys goes to get Vader and yes. he's got his helmet off. You know what I'm talking about? He's, of course yes. you do. But he's got his helmet not all the way on and you see that clump of flesh. And like sometime between, you know, obviously he says, I am your father. So we realize that he's human or humanoid or whatever, but just the idea of he's vulnerable because again, growing up with him being so powerful, the ability to, to kill people with his thoughts, uh, wielding the lightsaber, all that kind of stuff. But you see that, that glimpse of, oh, that's a piece of fleshy meat that looks kind of beat up. That guy can die, you know, like something like that in my mind, like, Oh, he's not, he's not invincible. Maybe, and, right. and I think even as a kid, I remember if he's got his helmet on, he's invincible. Helmet comes off, he might be invincible. Or that's not the right word. Be able to be killed. I think and the opposite of invincible has to be vincible, right? I think if it's not, let's, uh, he may not be indestructible, I guess is, is something right. that I would say. For the first time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so the, the idea of this guy can be killed. That's the Vader that I remember right. being so powerful in all things that he does, choking people, uh, you know, the very beginning of uh, New Hope where he grabs that guy and like lifts him off the ground. That's Darth Vader. And then I see this, you know, even as a kid and I think, oh, uh, Luke or Han or whoever, they can kill him. Right. So making making a character that seems invincible, invincible. Follow up question. Sure. Your kids, your kids are prequel kids. They're Clone yeah. Wars kids. They're Star Wars Rebels kids. Absolutely. How do how do they see Darth Vader differently, or do they see Darth Vader differently than you did? Because Darth Vader started in Star Wars, and then the next time you saw him was Empire Strikes Back. What do your kids think of when they think of Darth Vader? 
Yeah, so I'm not sure how you showed it to your kids, but I started with one. I just felt like uh, Jar Jar Binks was an easy lead-in character, you know. Lisa Jar Jar Binks. To have them be able to connect with it. And I started them probably too young, but I'm going to say three or four. Uh, they started watching Star Wars. And so they got to see Annie. Uh, and, and I think that my daughter is now a teenager, so we can have conversations about, like, what did you think growing up and those kind of things. And we have. And it's that piece where the human part of Vader is very real to my kids. He was hurt. He was led astray. The Emperor's fault that he became Vader, it was, he thought, you know, he was angry because he thought he lost his wife and he thought, you know, that the kids were gone or the kid, I guess they, he only thought they were going to have one. So they can almost empathize or sympathize with Anakin Skywalker as he becomes Vader and understanding also their, their thought processes, of course, that the Emperor is tricking him the whole time. Right. So when they see Darth Vader in The Empire Strikes Back, it's just a, a continuation of a character who's been in a lot of pain. He really has a difficult time because no dad, being a slave, mom dies, wife dies, kid dies, best friend slices up his arms and legs. So right. that's a fantastic question. And again, my kids being, you know, my daughter being a teenager, she sees it as, I could probably understand some of his pain much more than I did as a kid. I was just like, dude's got hate in his heart, and that's what he's all about. He's more machine now than man, twisted and evil. Right, and so it go it goes back to Obi Wan's uh, certain point of view comment in Return of the Jedi. What I told you was true, from a certain point of view. Your point of view determines so much about how you take in Star Wars. And I think that's a good thing because I think the more you learn about the story, the more you can enjoy the different things that each different story has to offer. Continuing, I guess, in, with the theme of Darth Vader, uh, my next thing is is going to be the, the battle between Luke and Vader that kind of closes this movie. First off, the idea of Luke Skywalker in a lightsaber battle with Darth Vader was just more than my mind could handle at this at this time. It was just the coolest thing in the world. I thought the way that they shot it was really cool. They used darkness. They used colors. It wasn't in the light of day. There was so much mystery to it. Um, at this point, we had basically only seen Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and not a very exciting lightsaber battle with Darth Vader. And now we've got this young, athletic Luke Skywalker jumping around and thinking he's going to give Darth Vader a run for his money. And at first, Darth Vader finds Luke Skywalker's talents to be impressive. Vader's basically toying with Luke and help. Maybe I can turn him to the dark side without even fighting him. The force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. The Force may be with Luke, but he he doesn't have a chance. We get to the point where Luke is basically defeated. Darth Vader cuts his hand off. The trauma that I experienced when my hero just got his hand chopped off, I'm like, well, now Darth Vader's going to kill him. Like, this is it. And I'm just not prepared, obviously, for what's going to happen next. Just like I talked about Yoda and the series of unforgettable quotes, this sequence of Vader is just incredible. Don't make me destroy you. Destiny lies with me, Skywalker. Obi-Wan knew this to be true. Release your anger. Only your hatred can destroy me. If you only knew the power of the dark side. And then we get to the biggest moment. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. 
He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. And then Vader extends the offer. Join me. Together, we can rule the galaxy as father and son. This was a very important moment to me because it showed that his loyalty was possibly going to be more to his son than to the Emperor. That the Emperor at some point had foreseen the combination of Vader and Luke would destroy him. Of course, we see that play out in Return of the Jedi. But the way Vader reads that comment is, if I can get Luke to turn, maybe the two of us can take the Emperor on and we can defeat him. He's actually having this moment here that if Luke makes a different decision, this story goes drastically differently. This lightsaber battle was the greatest lightsaber battle I'd ever seen, and I would say it's still up there for all of its beauty, all of the tension, the unforgettable character moments, and of course, the single greatest cliffhanger slash reveal in Star Wars history. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. Impressive. Your destiny lies with me, Skywalker. If you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed me. No, I am your father. Not true. That's impossible. No! So here we are. We each have one more thing left to share about what we love about this movie. Joel, you're up next. Tell us the last thing you want to share with us. What else do you love about The Empire Strikes Back? Lando, the depth of writing the character and then the the way that uh, Ability played that character so well is uh, when you first meet Lando, he's doing anything, his own thing, right? <laughs> Han said he has no love for the Empire right. before before they go there, right? So we know he's not pro-Empire. So the idea of an independent, that's why Boba Fett I think was so appealing is he's independent. But here's another guy who's completely independent and uh, doing his own thing. Yeah, I'm responsible. Price you pay for being successful. When you first meet Lando, you're not sure because of the way he introduces himself if he really is Han's buddy or not. Why you slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler? You got a lot of guts coming here. After what you pulled. And then you see that he sold out Han and you're kind of like, I hate this guy. And what happens is, you know, closer to the end of the Bespin Cloud City time frame, he says, I didn't have a choice to save the people here. I had to sell out Han, but I can still save the rest of you. Vader's agreed to turn Leia and Chewie over to me. They'll have to stay here, but at least they'll be safe. At great cost to everybody, but, but we feel like it's that important. And I think just how... Lando responds to Darth Vader being there, them taking his friend, is, all right, I've had enough. This deal is getting worse all the time. And I think that there's a point where everybody says, I've had enough. Right, and, right. And again, I, this is how people are, decide that they're going to be anti-Empire. Lando has a buddy. He doesn't have a choice. I had no choice. They arrived right before you did. I'm sorry. He has to cut a deal in order to save all the lives of the people on Cloud City. But his heart still doesn't want to do the things that it's doing. So now he has the opportunity to save what he can save. And because of that, clearly at the end of the movie, you, you see that he's he's choosing a side. When they find Jabba the Hutt and that bounty hunter, we'll contact you. Princess, we'll find yeah. Han. I promise. I like the idea that they created a character that was really in the world for himself, trying to stay out of the eyes of the Empire, not be a part of the rebellion, 
And then something happened and now he's a part of it. And he made the choice based on what has happened in his own personal life. Even though in the end he makes the same decision as everyone, the the path that he takes to get there was really interesting to me. I'm glad you brought that up. All right. We are on to my final point. Uh, Here's what I'm going to talk about. And this isn't, this isn't a specific character. It isn't a specific moment in the movie. It's everything that happens in this movie in relationship to the force. In the original movie, we have a description of the force from Obi-Wan Kenobi. And the force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. But it's still very much a mysterious thing to us. In this film, we get some really cool, um, I guess, expansion of our understanding of the Force. You must feel the Force around you, here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. But here's here's what I want to point out. There's a few things. First of all, the whole idea of moving objects. You have Luke in the cave at the beginning where the Wampa's coming and he's reaching out and all of a sudden his lightsaber that's stuck in ice just magically goes to his hands. I remember being blown away by that. I thought that was this super cool Jedi power. And wow, Luke must be really powerful if he can do that. When in his training, Yoda's having him do all these things like floating rocks and lifting up R2, trying to lift up his X-Wing out of the water, watching Yoda lift his X-Wing. Wow, how powerful must Yoda be if he can lift an entire X-Wing submerged in water? I loved how when Vader was on on uh, on Bespin, he actually was able to block the blaster bolts. How can he do that? And of course, we heard Obi-Wan's voice at the end of the, uh, the original film, but now we see Obi-Wan appearing like a ghost. You will go to the Dagobah system. There you will learn from Yoda, the Jedi master who instructed me. So all of these things are kind of taking the force to this level that we've never seen before. And the reason I point that out is each film takes the force kind of to the next level. Each film we see new abilities in the force. But in this film, I was absolutely blown away by these new things that we saw in the force. So I I can't wait to talk about the rest of these in upcoming episodes. Well, we did it. We made it to the end of our talk. Joel, thank you for, for being my guest, but we are not done yet. Are you ready for the hyperspace round? Man, I am so ready. As I've explained to you, the hyperspace round is very simple. I'm going to ask you some questions. You're going to give me your very simple and as quick as you can answers. You're going to have 30 seconds to give me as many answers as you can. The twist again will be, I've already decided what your answers should be, and I will be telling you if you're right or wrong. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it, man. 30 seconds are on the clock. Here we go. Jedi or Sith? Jedi. Correct. Original trilogy, prequel trilogy, or sequel trilogy? Original. Correct. What color would your lightsaber be? Green. Incorrect. I have you down as red. Favorite ship or vehicle? As fast as I can. Slay one. Incorrect. Who's cuter, Wicket, Porgs, or Babu Freak? Wicket. Incorrect. Porgs. Favorite character? Boba Fett. 
incorrect. I had you down for Dengar. Unfortunately, we did not get to that last question in time, so I, I cannot. Let's do it again. Let's do it I again. Can, I cannot count your answer, and <laughs> we are only allowed to do it once. So that Change is the, the good news is there are not actually any points that are awarded, so your score is exactly the same as everybody else. All right. Well, we've made it to the end. Joel, I want to thank you for being a great guest, for sharing about this great movie. I love The Empire Strikes Back. I've really enjoyed sitting down and just really soaking it all in again. And I thank you for being my special guest for this very special episode of this podcast. So this was like take one and we're about to start the actual take. Yeah. Yeah. Did that feel good? You feel like you got, you know what, you know what it is? Yeah. Let's go ahead and start again. Joel, thank you very much. Everybody else out there, stay where you are. I'll be right back in just a little bit to wrap things up. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Too short for a stormtrooper? I'm a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board. I don't know who you are or where you came from. From now on, you do as I tell you, okay? I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. I just assume it's a Wookiee. I can arrange that. You can use a good chance. Why are you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder? Who's scruffy looking? Captain, being held by you is quite enough to get me excited. It would help if I got out and pushed. Will somebody get this big walking carpet out of my way? Well, that was The Princess, a song dedicated to some of Princess Leia's spunkier moments from the first two films of the original trilogy. During the interview segment, you also heard my tribute to the greatest scene in Star Wars history, entitled Daddy Issues. I'd like to thank my very special guest, the great Joel Van Ham, for joining me to talk everything Empire Strikes Back. We could have gone on for much longer, but I guess we had to call it quits at some point, right? Also, don't forget, you can support I Still Love Star Wars by helping me spread the word and especially by subscribing on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and a review. I'd love to know what you think. As always, you can share your thoughts about the show, or Star Wars in general, in the form of listener feedback by sending an email to thestarwarsguy1977 at gmail.com. Well, next week, I'll be joined by another dear friend, Bo Bradbury, to discuss another classic Star Wars movie, Return of the Jedi. Until then, remember...